Barnyard Language. We are Katie and Arlene, an Iowa sheep farmer and an Ontario dairy farmer with six kids, two husbands, and a whole lot of chaos between us. So kick off your boots, reheat your coffee, and join us for some Barnyard Language, honest talk about running farms and raising families. In case your kids haven't already learned all the swears from being in the barn, it might be a good idea to put on some headphones or turn down the volume. While many of our guests are professionals, they aren't your professionals. If you need personalized advice, consult your people. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Barnyard Language. We're glad that you're joining us here again today. And I think it's time for the lambing report. Katie, what's happening in the sheep barn? I feel like we need like a special sound effect, like dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, <laughs> you know, like uh, 11 or 12 ewes lambed in the last 40 hours, 36 hours, something like that, in a, a space only slightly more than one day long. Um and that's about 30% of our sheep that lambed in a very short amount of time, which on one hand is awesome because it gets it done. But on the other hand, uh, there is some serious lamb Tetris of trying to figure out where the hell everybody was going to go. Um, we try to give each you at least a day with just her lambs. You know, so we, we use lambing jugs, but we try not to pair them up until they have a solid idea of which lambs are theirs. Um, but we had four sheep lambed overnight in the same big pen, and they all seemed fairly happy with the lambs they ended up with, but I'm not sure that any of them ended up with their actual well, as babies. As, but baby. as long as they feed yeah. them, who cares? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody seemed pleased by the end, but it was... Uh, a bit of a thing. Um, so we're kicking more babies outside, which is adorable. I will post some more videos because it's, it's real fucking cute because they just run around and play. Do and do that little hoppy lamb thing where they like bounce around. Yeah. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know too, what they will do is when their mamas lay down, they will use them as trampolines basically, which looks incredibly painful because they have sharp little toes, but other than that, one of my friends said this weekend that I have a different podcast voice, and so now I'm all in my head about that. So, hi, Susie. Thanks for freaking me the fuck out. I really appreciate it. Also, the boy child has started listing people he's going to marry, which now includes his little friend and uh, his preschool teacher and me and several of his, his other little friends. It's very sweet. Yes. Good to have a lots of options, right? And you know if you get knocked off the list that you've done something to make him mad. Yeah. So I did have a good laugh. He uh, he kissed his little friend the other day, my friend Susie's little girl, who's uh, four. And he did ask her first, but we had to, to reiterate that you have to give someone enough time to say yes or no before you... <laughs> right. right, yeah. Asking, good, yeah. Waiting for an answer, even better. Yeah, they were over yesterday for a bit to see the lambs, and apparently he tried to kiss her again. And I said, well, did you ask first? And he said, yes. And I said, did she say yes or no? And he said, she punched me in the face. <laughs> I think that might be a no. And I said, good for her, because <laughs> yeah. you have to give her enough time to say yes or no. And if, you know, I said, did you try and kiss her again after that? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good. That's enthusiastic you know, non-consent. Right? You know, 
So, you know, I do not normally condone physical violence, but if a point needs to be made, then the point was made. And he is getting a taste of what it's like to get touched without giving enthusiastic (laughs) consent for it. So hopefully it will teach him not to kiss girls without, or anyone, without their explicit permission. But yeah, I, I didn't think that the the chasing girls would start at the age of four, but apparently we're yeah. we're there. So it can come great. and go. Before yeah. long, they'll be gross yeah. and disgusting, and he won't want to have anything to do with them. I'm sure, and I mean, obviously, I I also try hard not to be that parent who's like, "Won't it be so cute when they actually do get married?" But it occurred to me that. In towns like this, like, if you marry someone you went to high school with, there's a very reasonable chance that your in-laws have known you since preschool, (laughs) which somehow seems real strange. How are things at your place, Arlene? You uh, still jet-lagged, or are you feeling better? I think that I've come through it, yes. uh, Yeah, feeling better. Definitely there were a lot of um, sneaking in naps last week. And last week was actually the first time that our kids went to school for five days in a row since before Christmas. So we, uh, oh yeah, my God. between <laughs> all the snow days, there was a holiday in there. There was a professional development day for teachers. Um, it wasn't even people being sick so much. We have actually had a decent winter in terms of, of illnesses and everything. But yeah, it was just, yeah, days when the buses were canceled and yeah, there were no five-day stretches so it felt long for everybody I think between I'm sure that they were all jet-lagged as well and actually having to go to school every day was a, a big difference so that was really the only news on the uh, the kid front oh dear I let the dog stay in the room with me and now he has oh Levi has um oh <laughs> did he lose his ball under yeah, the couch possibly. I think he heard someone come into the you guys Arlie needs to are yeah, Arlene needs to post more videos, but their dog is basically the cutest thing in the world, <laughs> despite being kind of an angry elf and really obsessive. I mean, he is a Jack Russell, so I guess it's pretty like yeah, par exactly. for the course. That's, that's just the full-on terrier coming out. And farm-wise, I don't think there's too much to report. Things are getting warmer, snow is melting, which is kind of nice, so, you know, full full-on mud season. Although, of course, we got a little bit more snow in the air the other day, just to you know, keep us on our toes. But it is starting to feel like spring might be actually coming. So that does feel good. The other night I milked with my daughter in the evening and the panels on our barn are set to thermostats and the one side was all the way down and the sun was coming in and it did actually feel quite springy for a few minutes there. So it feels like it's on the horizon. The uh, Are you guys in that season where it's you get like three inches of snow and then it's gone by the end of the day and then it's, you know, quite warm and then it snows again and then it's gone and yeah, it's and the, just prolonging yeah, the mud season. Yeah, the ground freezes solid and then thaws out completely and the basement fills with water and all that kind of stuff. Yes, I think we're in the, the yeah. same zone. Are you, I assume we're not the only farm family who insists that it's all mud too, despite the, the amount of livestock that might be present? Yeah. You know everything's muddy, quote unquote. <laughs> like, I know it's cow shit, but let's just pretend yeah. it's all mud. Like There's a bit of both. 
at least the space between yeah. our house and barn is pretty much mud. We and we have a few paved sections, so that 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 helps for sure. But yeah, we know that the rest of the zones are a good good combo. Well, on that note, should we go ahead and visit with our guest for this week? Today on the podcast, we're excited to be talking to Andrea Lefevre from North Central Illinois. So we start each of our interviews with the same question, and this is a way for our guests to introduce themselves. So Andrea, we ask, what are you growing? And this can cover crops, livestock, families, businesses, and all kinds of other stuff. So what are you growing? I am growing with my husband and my in-laws, Andrew's parents, corn and soybeans. My husband and I are growing two little children. And I myself am growing my new book business. That is very exciting. So we'll start with the start with the kid question. How old are the little ones? Briar is my oldest, and he is turning three in just a couple of weeks. And my youngest, Boone, is about a year and a half now. Yeah, so still little guys. Yeah, very busy. <laughs> yeah. And I know that some people don't like to answer this question, but are you one of the people who can tell us kind of like what size of farm we're talking about in terms of like acres or, you know, those types of things? (laughs) You know, I was born and raised to never answer that question. Okay. Yeah. I know it's, yeah, some people do and some people don't. (laughs) It is a complicated question. My husband and I are transitioning further into being more on the farm with my in-laws. So they're kind of slowly transitioning into retirement. So I truly don't know the correct way to answer that without making my husband mad. Sure, that's fair. So can I ask, um, trying not to like get too personal with the details, we're also in the process of transitioning from my in-law situation. Are you going with a more, I don't know, traditional method of taking out a mortgage and buying it out? Or are you... We have it in an LLC, and so we're buying out shares, um, mostly through work. So I'm I'm really interested in how people, you know, because there's a lot of different approaches, and I think it's good for folks to hear different ways that people are approaching it. Um, I feel like it is such a tough conversation to have with the older generation, not that I'm calling my in-laws old by any means. I'm sure they're going to listen to this, so I don't want to, you know, make them mad, but... I think that they're truly still looking into if it should be an LLC or whatnot. My husband is very good with business, as is my father-in-law. But for right now, everything's just kind of done on a handshake. And I I just really trust that, you know, no one's going to get screwed over. And, you know, as long as our families are still talking to each other and we're in good good communication that, you know, my husband and I are just going to keep on rolling with what we got. So I really don't have a good answer for you there because we're still just figuring it out as we go. Yeah, it seems like the the biggest complicating factor is usually other siblings. You know, if there's kids who feel like they're getting screwed out of some tremendous amount of money. That- right, yeah, because all farmers are rich, right? Yeah, yeah. So my um, dad, he had... He was a sibling of 11 children, so his parents have just recently passed. So with talking about a generation that didn't really communicate and having siblings, 
pretty much hate each other for that lack of communication. It was rough. And my dad has gone through such a traumatic experience because all of that land got sold. So it is really important to figure out how to transition the next generation in and, you know, keep them farming because young farmers, there hardly aren't, aren't any anymore. You know, the youngest farmer is, I don't know, 60, 65 in the area. So it is really hard. Okay. Andrea, do you guys raise any livestock? I truly, from the bottom of my heart, wish that we did. My dad grew, um, he had cows that he had. My um, brother-in-law, they have cows. My best friends have cows, chickens, you know. But that's a sore subject for me too because I'm sort of a germaphobe and I know that's really crazy to hear a farm wife say that they, they're a germaphobe, but... Um, eventually, my husband and I are still talking about it. Hopefully one day we'll get some cows and some chickens and it would be good for the kids, you know, like eventually when they go into 4-H or something like that, they'll have something to show and, you know, do for chores, you know. Sorry. And this is why it's good that we can edit because then I can just take out all the times that I got distracted. Um, so you were raised on a farm, is that correct? Born and raised. Yes. Do your folks do row crops then as well, or you said they didn't have any Yeah, no, growing up, we did not have any livestock other than a dog and some cats. But yes, we've always been farming corn and soybeans. But like I mentioned earlier, it's all the farms just got sold. So now my dad is helping my brother-in-law farm, as well as me and my husband when he, he has time or when my husband asks him for, for his help. So... He comes running just to stay busy working. As livestock folks, and not meaning this nearly as obnoxiously as it's going to come out, um, what do row crop farmers do in the winter? Everyone here has livestock. <laughs> like, we assume that you go to Jamaica for like six months. So if that is not correct, this is your Man, I wish we could go for a vacation. It is cold and windy here right now, but my husband really does equipment cleaning and just maintenance all winter long, as well as mostly the business end, just double checking to make sure that his markets are doing, you know, what he wants it to do and whatnot. So as far as I go, being the farmhouse wife, um, just normal day-to-day -day stuff. That is fair. So you talked a little bit at the beginning about your new book. So why don't you tell us about your book and what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, so I, reading to my kids, I have found a lot of disappointment in the hundreds and hundreds of farm books that I have read to my farm kids. I want to say it. it the farm wife was only on one of the page of any of these books. And it was really just to say, thanks mom for, you know, cooking us supper. And I, it just really hurt my heart that, you know, we're not appreciated for more than just that. So I took it in my hands to write that book of, you know, the daily activities that I'm here for that help the farm. So if it weren't for the farm wives, you know, we're the glue 
that holds the farm together. So I just really wanted people out there to know that, you know, we do more than just dishes and cooking and cleaning. So. Yeah. The, the mom always comes out with lunch at the end of the book when everybody else is done. And, you know, we talked to so many women, especially that older generation who say, well, I'm just a farm wife. And I'm like, but Hey, yes, you kept everybody fed and in clean clothes. And that's worth a hell of a lot, you know, stop doing it and see how well that goes over. But, you know, you're doing the books, even if you're not driving tractor, you know, you're doing books, you're running for parts, you're taking calls, you're dealing with this, you're dealing with that, you know, you're farming just as actively as anybody else is. And that really just pushes my buttons. Um, The other thing I've noticed, and now the, uh, I can't like name any names, because if we ever want to get any of these authors on, they're going to listen back and be like, no, you trash talked me once. Um, I'm sure you've noticed as well how many kids' farm books are about old tractors, and, you know, um, we're an old tractor family, but still, you know, they have one workhorse, and there's no business about any part of it, and so I think maybe, you know, to, to read a farm book to city kids, A, city kids are learning now that that's what a farmer is, is an old white dude in overalls with like a piece of straw and a big hat and like one row of carrots. Like, but I'm wondering how we can encourage parents to demand realistic books and authors to write realistic books. And as livestock farmers, like I get that probably the, like, this is how veal is made is not going to be like a big hit, but we can talk about animal agriculture, like especially, you know, dairy or wool production or egg production. Like I would be fine with my kids reading a realistic book about beef production. I would love it as a parent if there was a realistic book about beef production. Yeah, I love that. I actually am writing more books as we speak um, just because there are so many people out there that don't know You know, you think that we go on vacation in the winter, but there's still work to do. So I do have a lot more books left inside of me to write. So they are in the making because, you know, kids, they are young learners and they need to know. So hopefully I can put the point across that, you know, we aren't just overall wearing, you know, straw hat people that we're we're so much more. There's so much more to us than what people know. So maybe we need to be selling it, looking at the shortage of farmers globally at this point. You know, maybe we need to sell it to town kids. It's like you get to drive a super cool tractor for like a couple weeks a year, and then you just go on vacation for the rest of the year and spend all your money. And just like by the time they find out it's not true, it'll be too late. So maybe we need to just lean into that, you know, like. No, we just go to the beach for like 10 months of the year and drive big tractors the rest of the time. Nothing ever breaks down and nothing is expensive and everything is great. So which do you want, Katie? Do you want the realistic books or do you want that version? I want realistic books for farm kids, (laughs) but like slightly not realistic. Like tell them they're going to make a shitload of money. Okay, so you want to keep them in the industry and recruit more people. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Brainwash them, lie to them. Yeah, yeah, listeners, I think um, you you see a little bit here of where Katie's head is <laughs> a lot of the time and all the ideas. I mean, it is 
to be a little more serious, it is really hard to, to know what to tell your kids if you want them to keep farming yeah. or new people to come into it because it doesn't do them any favors to flat out lie and be like, yeah, you'll totally have enough money to support your family. You know, you'll totally go on vacation. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But also, I don't want to scare them off and be like, no, you're going to be totally screwed. Right. I'm at Yay. the point right now that I don't want to push my kids to love farming. Like, I just want them to enjoy it. So that way, eventually, when they do grow up, they, they want to stay on the farm. You know, that they, they see what hard work is, but that hopefully Andrew and I can represent that it can be fun too, just to keep them on the farm. Because yeah, there's, where are the young farmers? You can't, there aren't any. So <laughs> it's, it's a fine line. Well, assuming you said you're in North Central Illinois, right? So I'm assuming it's a lot like Northeast Iowa and Central Iowa where I grew up that every, you know, every old farmstead that the farmer dies you know, and the land gets sold and they bulldoze the house and then they bitch about how there's no young families taking over the farms. Like there's, A, you can't buy land and B, where are you going to live? I mean, it's, you know, this is what we're doing and then people bitch about they're not being young farmers. Right, or same thing, you know, I see auctions for land going up for sale all the time around here and who's buying them, but people from far away that aren't farmers they're just businessmen and you know it's going to I don't want to say that they're going to factory farms but city people might look at them as factory farms you know like they're just big guys and these big guys are going to get bigger what about the small guy you know yeah well I mean there's there's no bank that's going to be like so you're starting out and you don't really have any equity you know and especially if you're not coming from a farm family or if you are not an only child from a farm family i guess you know and cool here's a million dollars just you know just for land don't screw it up i'm sure you'll totally make it back in just a couple of years this will be fine you know like that's not a place that you can start a business from and there's no other industry where we expect new businesses to start under that circumstance and just be fine Anyway, um, so did you self-publish your book and what was the publishing process like? Yeah, you? so really I Googled how to do everything and uh, found this company off of Google and I just went with it. Um, going through the process though, I, I do see things that I would do differently for my next couple of books that I have in mind to write. Um, but really it, it was pretty simple. I... I will find out after the sales of this book to see how I want to change up the next book as far as for this one, I didn't put a barcode on the back of the book like most books do because I, did, I don't really see a need to, I, I guess that makes me sound awful that I don't want to sell my book through like Amazon or Barnes and Noble. I just want to personally reach out to that person and get to know them. Um, but I guess in the long run, that now sounds bad to me because other people do need to know about farming, not just the farm people that I'm connected with. So thank you for <laughs> pointing that out to me as I talk it through. I think 
as a parent and talking to so many different kinds of farmers, what I would love to see is a farm book that talks about like the whole farm neighborhood or like all the farmers in the county that there's big farmers, there's little farmers, there's, you know, organic gardeners who are making a decent living off half an acre of carrots, you know, and other things too, obviously not just carrots, um, you know, but just all the different, what farming looks like for all these different people and that all of those are valid ways to do things because there is so much anger and judgment between the right way to do it that we don't even need other people to destroy our industry because we're doing a decent job of it ourselves and yeah Yeah, i know we've said it before but i mean when there's only two percent of us feeding the world or feeding, you know, like feeding people. I mean, the percentages obviously change in different countries, but there's there's so few of us farming to be tearing each other down and deciding that that one way or another way is the right way. I mean, like, I don't know your climate. I don't know your history. I don't know, you know, there's, there's so many ways to do this job and we don't need to, to start policing, yeah, who's doing it right and who's doing it wrong and then and what the right kind of farm is and what the right size is. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's different for every family. It's different for every person. It's different for regions. You know, like, yeah, there's, there's no reason to, to decide that we can only do it one way. And I mean, consumers are demanding different things too, and that's their right. You know, the people who are eating the food are allowed to pay and make choices and legislators are going to make choices for us in some cases, right? So we, we have to be flexible too in what we're doing and yeah, not creating, not creating animosity where there doesn't need to be any. All right, back to the book. How did you pick your illustrator or did you self-illustrate? I I actually don't even know that yet. Um, So before I was a, got to be a stay-at-home mom, I was working and she worked in the office that I did. And I just knew that she drew so well that I, I knew she had to be my illustrator. So luckily for me, she's, she's going to stick it out with me for these next couple of books, I hope. Oh, that's exciting. So you'll have kind of a cohesive look from book to book. Is that your idea? Like, are they kind of in your mind, are they kind of a a set that would work together or are they independent? Yeah, that's my goal is to just make it all look similar, similar and flow. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I don't even know if at the beginning we got the title of your first book. Maybe we should actually say that. A Day on the Farm with Mama. And this one that I just released is called Harvest Edition. And right now I am working with her for um, planting edition. That'll be released in the spring. Right. She started out with the busiest time of year. I know. (laughs) You might as well go big, right? Exactly. I am looking forward, Andrea, to the vacation edition where they do actually go on vacation and they go to the beach and everybody's just got like wicked farmer's tans and looks really awful. And it's two days long. And then like gets horrible sunburns. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And they still wake up at 4 a.m. every day and they get bored really they fast. brought all their toy tractors with them and then they ride up and down the escalator <laughs> yes, a bunch yeah. of times can we push all the buttons on the elevator yeah i think the other upside about doing a book about the whole neighborhood is that you could get all sorts of different colors of equipment in there because my family collects alice chalmers and every time the boy child yells john deere and demands something green i can see my husband dying a little inside so if you could get like a real variety 
in there, I feel like you could really increase your marketing potential to, you know, have. Uh, yeah, make that lots seems of pretty happy. easy to do for this yeah. next book because, uh, luckily for me, I guess unlucky, but still lucky. My in-laws do; they have a little bit of everything, so I'm going to get that pictured. So that way, it isn't just always John Deere, but they seem to have the most toys for these kids. So. <laughs> They have a very effective moment. We had, I don't know if you guys had them, but we had those kids, John Deere DVDs when my kids were little. And uh, one of my friends called them the John Deere propaganda because they, uh, they, do, they do start early for sure. I've noticed that Jim um, makes sure that the boy child gets the copy of the New Holland magazine every month. <laughs> yeah. You know, puts it right yeah. at his place at the table. That and the, uh, the old Alice News. I don't want to shit talk John Deere, but... Um, my both my sister and brother-in-law work for them so I still have John Deere there's there I have a actually have a tattoo of the emblem of John Deere but yeah we definitely we use all tractors on the farm so you make a very good point I'll have to get the illustrator to, to put different colored tractors on there yeah we don't need to discriminate <laughs> I did uh get into an interesting conversation the other day about trying to find fabric to make things for less popular tractor types. And somebody commented about if you collect uh, cockshut tractors, what Google results you get when you Google that. that that's a whole different yeah. farming struggle. Um, but... <laughs> it's a yeah. whole different story. Um, so can you give us a sneak peek into what the next couple books are gonna be like? Um, yeah, so I'm going to stay on the same frame of mind as far as empowering us women as being just as hardworking as the men on the farm. So like I said, this one that I just released is the Harvest Edition, but with mom. And then in the spring, I will release one that is planting season on the farm with mom and my wonderful husband, who is very supportive keeps uh, bouncing ideas off of me about, you know, you should do one that co to continue the support of women is women can drive tractors too, because my mother-in-law, she drives, she's the main combine operator on the farm. My mom growing up, she was always, you know, in the grain cart tractor, you know, unloading on the go from the combine. And I just want to let young children know that to go with your sexist thing, I hope to God that these young women know that they are welcome on the farm, just like any other boy. So that's where I'm sticking is to support these women, to let these young readers know it doesn't matter who you are, but you can farm. I promise. It's, it's hard, but you can do it. I love the idea too of being able to show all the different kinds of women who are involved in ag because we see, you know, especially in social media, like there's less girly girls and there's, you know, especially a lot of like the women I see out West who, you know, go to events and it's, I mean, it's expected that you're going to be dressed up and that you can wear makeup and still farm, you know, I don't have the patience for it. But if it's your thing, like, it does not make you less able to drive a tractor if you put on mascara. 
I, I have this on good authority that you can do both at the same time. Um, not that you should put on mascara while you're driving a tractor because that's, well, I mean, good. if you've got auto steer, it looks pretty smooth. I'm sure there's, there's probably time. I love that. My good friend on social media, Mary Pat fast. She just uploaded a really funny and cute reel about that. Um, she wore a dress into the tractor just because she got, you know, hate mail, hate comments saying, what are you dressed up so pretty for? You know, you're just going to be in the tractor. Nobody's going to see you. You do whatever makes you feel good. You know, it doesn't matter. You're exactly right. Because it's the generation that we aren't wearing overalls and bibs and things like that. I mean, unless it's cold out, of course, we want to stay warm. But yeah, you could wear whatever the heck you want to, to go feed those animals and to go drive that tractor. So it's really beautiful. Andrea, where can we buy your book? It is on farmwifeatheart.com. If you, if you don't follow me on Instagram, which right. is farmwifeatheart. So thank you for asking. And go order my kids a copy. Oh, I, I appreciate your support, truly. Will you, uh, will you autograph our copy? Absolutely. Okay, good. Thanks. You don't get that when you order from Amazon. Um, yeah, that's right. And I, I have to admit, for myself, with the, a little girl growing up on the farm, I don't worry about her seeing female farmers because we know a lot of female farmers, which I know is unusual in a lot of places. But it is very important to me that my little boys see female farmers because he nobody is focusing female farmers on little boys. They're focusing them on little girls. And so little girls are seeing it, but little boys are not. And that's, you know, they're the ones who need to know that it's totally normal. Plus, nobody who's not a complete idiot would stand in the way of my daughter having what she wants. So I don't worry about her near as much as I worry about him. But that is neither here nor there. And now we can talk about parenting, Arlene. There All right, on to the parenting stuff. So often we start with the uh, the easy question, but I decide to flip the script today and start with um, what your biggest parenting struggle is these days with two little guys on the farm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Trying to keep them active in the wintertime. Summertime is different, but since we don't have livestock, we're out in the middle of nowhere and we have zero trees for a windbreak. It is already on my nerves that we can't be outside as long as we were in the summertime. So just trying to keep them occupied is really a struggle. But um, luckily for me, they do love being in the kitchen. So that's where you'll find us most days. But yeah, just trying to keep them, you know, so that it's not a WWE Smackdown in my house all the time I just it's it's hard I find too as the days get shorter than all those hours even in the evening that in the summer you were outside all of a sudden it's like oh well I can't go outside now because it's pitch black and it's like oh but it's only four o'clock there's still so many hours until bedtime yeah and then even if it is warm enough for them to go out like my kids want to even when it's pitch black and a part of me is like cool and then part of me is like what if they get carried off by a wolf or something which like obviously they're not going to but there's some part of me that's like what if something horrible happens because it's dark out which is ridiculous 
but at the yeah, same time. My mind doesn't go there. It's more just the, like I'm in hibernation mode. Like, no, too dark. I can't go out. Why, why would I go out with you? Wait, why Although, would you go out with them anyway? I just, I mean, I guess Andrea's voice are smaller. Yeah. Talk about the My, yeah, the strategy is though they stay out longer if you go with them is uh, is usually what works for for me because then they're not looping back to the door like uh, can we come in now? I did string up Christmas lights on my uh, play yard fence, that does help a little bit especially once the snow comes because the Christmas lights plus snow means that you get a little bit more uh, a little bit more uh, brightness for for that after school playtime, especially at our place, because they're mine are getting off the bus as the sun is setting these days. Yeah, I'll admit we got a big uh, pile of gravel delivered last week. And the husband came in after school and the kids didn't. And I asked where they were and he said, oh, they're both on their gamers sitting on the gravel pile playing. And they had their Kindle tablets out there playing games, sitting on a rock pile. It's like 40 degrees out and they're just happy as little clams sitting out there in the dark. like. All right. There's the solution, Andrea. Minus the Kindles, if you if you if they're too young for that, just you just need to get some gravel delivered now, and don't actually do anything with it till spring. That's what we should have put in the gear and gift guide, Arlene. Was <laughs> yeah. just a fucking pile of rocks. Yeah, yeah. a pile of rocks, a pile of sand, and then you deal with them in a few months when when uh, when they are not frozen anymore. That seems like a really awfully expensive uh, Christmas present right there to myself. Is a gravel pile right now. Yeah. yeah but it, well if you need to fill in some potholes then you know it's kind of multi-purpose yeah i suppose if you don't have livestock you probably don't have as many holes i don't know cattle seem to make a lot of holes anyway um so what do you enjoy the most about being able to raise your kids on the farm and how close do your in-laws live and is that where your boys are now because it's awfully quiet over there <laughs> my boys are actually right now at my parents um, after the farm got sold, they moved up here to be close to me and my little sister. Um, so really they're two and a half miles away as my in-laws are about a mile and a half away. So it's extremely nice having family really close by. Um, but I do, I love the flexibility of, you know, being able to, you know, hop, skip, jump right on over whenever there's a tractor running. So that way my boys can get all that farm life captured for them in some really nice memories. So Andrea, I was a stay-at-home parent for many years and I guess technically still am, although now that they're in school, I am farming more and doing a few other things on the side, like have a podcast. Um, but when they were little, I didn't have much day-to-day -day involvement on the farm. And I know that for a lot of people, that means I'm a, in a privileged position. I wasn't farming before I had kids. So it wasn't like I was, you know, taking maternity leave or, you know, taking a short break and then getting right back into it. I did have a career and then I went on my leave and became a stay-at-home mom. But it also led to some guilt for me because it seems, especially when you're looking at social media, at all these super farm moms who seem to be able to do it all, you know, like their kids are in the barn every day and the kids are on the tractor with them and they're, they're doing all the things or that's how it looks from the outside. So what does being a stay-at-home farm mom look like you look for, look, <laughs> look like for you right now? Oh, yes, I feel all of that. Um, so growing up, I 
had to sneak out of the house to go back shed and be with my dad, you know, whether that was airing up tires on the equipment or washing windows or, you know, vacuuming out the tractor cab. So it was very small. And eventually that led to being able to, you know, drive the tractors and help out a little bit more. But then came my brother-in-law who was a farmer. So then I kind of got shoved out of the picture and um, he got to farm more than I did. So then I'm, I found my husband and married a farmer and had kids. So I'm trying to be okay with the fact that this is the season of life that I am in right now, that I am a mom. I don't get to go out to go, you know, drive that tractor, drive that combine, be in the sprayer when I want to be. I know eventually that will happen when my kids, you know, are in school and grow up. But uh, right now I'm just kind of the stay-at-home lonely farm wife that, you know, I don't get out to see people. That's been the most difficult is just being okay with the season of life that I'm in, which is just, you know, being a parent. So I would like to be more out on the farm, but I'm really not right now. So it's okay. I know I'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, acknowledging the limits of what you and your kids can handle sometimes is is for the best too right i mean i probably thought before i had kids that they were going to be much more adaptable <laughs> than they were and you know i have told people before my my firstborn cried for most of her first year and you know was not that baby you know we didn't go to our restaurant i don't think until she was like 10 months old because she just wasn't that kid you know so when i would see other people even you know in the grocery store with a sleeping baby in a car seat like mine yeah she might have slept for a few minutes but usually by the time i got to the cash register she was screaming so there wasn't that you know like that ease of you know just oh just bring them along well my first <laughs> definitely showed me that that was not going to be the way that it was. And like I said, I mean, because I wasn't farming, it wasn't like a, okay, now I have to get back to it. It was like, oh, my world was changed. <laughs> and I was trying to to figure out how to be a parent. And the, the farming was kind of, you know, we would go over to the barn and visit my husband there and, you know, go see the cows, that kind of stuff. But it was, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that I was there and also had to accomplish tasks at the same time, which was probably good for me at the time because I was adjusting to a lot of things. Yeah, it definitely feels like survival mode right now, just trying to, you know, keep them occupied, but still have farming in their life and in their background to know that there's more to, there's more to life than just this. So Mm -hmm. that's also what inspired my book is there's so much more that we do than people know. Yeah, sure. You know, the minute you said that about this being the season of life, like it is, but I find it so frustrating when people say that, like, why can't you just accept it? If you were a good mom, you could just lean into it and embrace this season. Oh, fuck you off. Like, I don't think there's, I mean, maybe there are other industries, but farmers 
we define ourselves so much by being farmers. It is such an integral part of who we are as people. And I know when our daughter was born and I had to stop doing a lot of farm work several months before she was born, which was kind of okay because I was so focused on, you know, keeping her safe. But then after she was born, I remember standing in the kitchen sink and watching everybody go out for lambing. And I'm standing here with a crying three-month-old baby. And I remember just sobbing into the sink because everybody else got to still go do the thing that they loved. And I didn't. And then you feel resentful because you want to go do the thing that defines so much of who you are. But also you made a person and I think most parents would do anything for their kids. I mean, I there is nothing I would not do for my children. So feeling resentful of the little snots, because I want to go be elbow deep in a sheep, which is a totally normal thing, not weird at all, you know, and instead I'm in a warm, dry, clean house with my cute baby, is such a mindfuck. And... I really wish that we gave that more, more notice, I guess, that that's, you're not a terrible parent if you get pissed off because you'd rather be playing in the mud than in the house with your cute baby. And everybody's like, oh, it must be so nice because you can just stay in the house with your baby. And you're like, cool, guess I'm just a terrible person because I don't appreciate my husband enough and I resent my baby. Amen. I think that's really well said. I know that, you know, being on social media and even family that are watching all these highlight reels, which is what I'm going to call them, is the happy moments that, you know, I spent two seconds in the cab of a combine this year just so my kids could get a ride before they, you know, had a tantrum like, oh, it's it's boring in here. Like, oh, where's my snack bag? Like, it is a highlight reel, and a lot of people, that's all that they see is, oh, your life just must be so fun, you know, that you get to go do this and go do that, but that's really not the background of what happened leading up to those two seconds. So, beautifully said. I think we should start making social media reels of, like, trying to get two small children from the house to the barn appropriately dressed. Cool. You really want to see what this is like, you know, ride along while I try to get boots on both children. Five arms to do that. Yeah. I'm just, (laughs) I feel like we should give all new parents, not even farm parents, but just all new parents, like a massive fanny pack full of snacks. Like this is your life now. Here's a package of wipes. Here's six pounds of snacks. You still won't have the one they want, but at least you'll have a snack for them. Just snacks. Snacks. I I feel like that's going to be your cussing and discussing in a few minutes. It's not actually. (laughs) We'll save that for another day. Okay. So Andrea, this kind of, we have kind of covered it, but not in the same way. So how has parenting surprised you and what parts of being a mom are, are what you did expect it would be like? Yeah. So growing up, I never really got along with my mom. Not that she wasn't a great for also being a stay-at-home farm mom. Um, But becoming a mom myself, I now view myself 
as my mom. I have done the same things. I've gone through the same things that she had. So now I just have a newfound respect for what she's gone through and what we're going through. And she's really turned into my best friend, which is surprising to me. Um, not that I didn't love her before. I love her just the same. It's just my eyes have been opened and life is a little bit more clear that, you know, this whole farm life thing, it's beautiful, but it's hard as shit to work through, you know, with two little boys that are way more active than me and my sisters were, but it's still hard. So we ask all of our guests, if you were going to dominate a category at the county fair, what would it be? And you can make up a category or choose a real one, whatever you prefer. I love that. Um, I was in the 4-H and I went to state on sewing. I feel like that's just a beautiful way to, you know, be in your roots where you are and using the things that you have, which is what most farm women do is to use, use, reuse, recycle, and just make the most out, out of what you have. So I'm going to stick with sewing because you just kind of need it to patch things up because little rowdy boys get holes in their knees all the time. So I'm, I'm sticking with that one. Um, so you're going to go for like best knee patching or something more, uh, more artistic for your category. Knee patching sounds just about right. <laughs> I've got three boys. So yeah, I know all about it. Some pants I've just given up on. It's like, okay, those are the weekend ones. These are the school day ones. <laughs> we'll just go with what we've got. There's a reason a boy child had like six pairs of cutoffs this year for summer because I just <laughs> yes, patched yeah, them as well as I could cutoffs. through the school year yeah. and then I just cut them all off and I was like, there yeah. you go, buddy. The waistband still fit. Yeah, you got shorts now. Well, and he managed to blow out the left knee of every pair of pants he owns. And then I noticed oh. that when he drives his tractor, he sits he like he's proposing on like spine. on one knee and then, you know, with one foot. And <laughs> just, yeah. Buddy, whatever. <laughs> I'm not dealing with this. Yeah, that's that's his preference. All right, I will go ahead and move us into our cussing and disgusting segment. We've registered for an online platform called SpeakPipe, so listeners, you can leave your cussing and disgusting discussing entries for us, and we can play them on the show. So go to speakpipe.com backslash barnyard language and leave us a voice memo, or you can always send us an email at barnyardlanguage at gmail.com and we will read it out for you. Katie, what are you going to cuss and discuss this week? I actually have something to discuss and not to cuss. Um, All right, I know it's on. something new and new and shocking. I feel like as parents and as humans, we really underestimate the power of being ridiculous and <laughs> okay. silly. And, you know, I feel like there's so much pressure to act like a respectable adult at all times, especially when parenting. And, you know, if you're having fun, you're probably doing it wrong. Um, and so I've started trying to really focus when I find myself getting more and more frustrated, you know, and you get locked into that cycle with your kids where you get frustrated and then they get more frustrated and then you just start going around. Um, so I've been trying to lean into being ridiculous in those moments because it's distracting and it's really hard yeah, to be breaks the cycle. Yeah. And it's really hard to be too frustrating if you're doing something like my current preference, which I would like to call chicken mom, where I pretend to be a giant hen. And I wander around and I squawk and I scratch and I pretend to lay eggs. And then the girl child yells, there's no eggs there. And then I, you know, like last night I did this during bath time and she yelled at me that there were no eggs. 
And so I crowed and told her that I had forgotten I was a rooster and that roosters don't lay eggs. And I do a stupid voice. And I try to remember not to do it in public because I'm sure. I'd like to see a video of this someday, please. Sure thing. Uh, (laughs) It works so well because it is impossible for me to be really pissed off while I'm wandering around like as a chicken as a chicken um and for the daughter who legitimately cries more every time I wash her hair than she did when she broke her arm having this distraction is a tremendous thing um and when I was younger I actually did some clowning and mime and improv acting and that and so this is a a fun way to get to be creative and use those skills and to show my kids that you can have fun and still get things done because I think there's just such a an overarching sense that if you're enjoying what you're doing you're probably not serious and there's really very few things that you actually need to be very serious about yeah and so i think I we should it. just embrace it and yeah now have you considered branching out into other animals when they when they get tired of chicken or you're gonna uh, stick with this one for a while i don't know i'm i'm wondering what other moms i could be chicken mom is nice because it's a really funny voice mm-hmm. and you don't need a lot of do you ever movements. sit on your children and try and keep them warm like chicks I think you should add that in if you don't. This actually started because the girl child, one of her favorite sensory seeking games is to be wrapped up tight in a blanket. And she says she's okay. in her egg and then she has to hatch. Yeah. Um, I also have a photo of her when she was quite small. Pretending, I'm trying to remember how it started. She had been watching one of the hens actually lay an egg. And she came in and sat down and made a little nest and squawked and squawked and squawked and turned around and was very disappointed because she thought that she could actually lay an egg. Yeah, she, she did all the steps. Too, she was very small. Um, but I do a lot of voices, or if you whisper at your children when they're yelling, that will usually shut them down pretty quickly. So just anything that breaks the literal cycle of getting louder and more frustrated mm-hmm. um, yeah the escalation because yeah it's really hard to to be too authoritarian with your kids when you're pretending to be a giant chicken so gotcha yeah uh andrea what do you have to go and discuss now that everyone knows that i'm not- i just have to say that you know whether or not you're a farm mom or not a mom in general i hope you give yourself enough grace because there's just so much going on in life itself that to worry about other people and your surroundings while having children you know during something that isn't a normal routine for them just give yourself grace to you know kink that back out and get yourself back into your normal daily routine so that's really all I have all right Arlene, what do you have to cuss and discuss? It's just taking some deep breaths there. Good idea. It's a good reminder. Um, This is unrelated to chicken moms or giving myself grace. This is about food containers because my kids are getting older 
and sometimes they prepare their own food or they maybe go to a restaurant, someone else bring home leftovers, whatever. That's fine. I think it's great. I mean, we're finally at a stage where I'm not making everybody's food all the time. But then there's food in the fridge that because I didn't prepare, I don't exactly know when it arrived there or how long it's been there. So then it's a whole new level of science experiments. It's a bit like if you went to college and lived with roommates and you don't really know who stuff belongs to who, but we don't have individual shelves like maybe my university fridge had. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's like that container looks a little suspicious and I know it's not mine, but then you go and open it up and find a fun new science experiment that you can't blame yourself for but yeah so it's just messing with my fridge inventory which is not like foolproof but I'm usually pretty good if it's things that I have prepared but yeah when it's coming from other sources it's much harder for me to manage so yeah that's my uh, weird food moldy food situation that I clearly just discovered the other day I'd really like to hear from any listeners who have good solutions to the actual food storage container situation. I bought some expensive ones last year and they're all cracking. And I just feel like if we can have people literally living in outer space, we should be able to have food containers that are not awful. I just, I feel like that's a thing. And yeah. You're not just using thing. old margarine tubs. I'm not sure how you saw what's in my kitchen, Arlene. Because no, normally I throw them away out of, out of, uh, well, I mean, A, I don't buy margarine because I prefer to support our dairy farmers. You're Got welcome. It, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Thank you. But no, generally I prefer see-through containers because otherwise. Then you could see. They the are dead to me. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like right. to be able to name them and wave to them in the morning. You know, when I open a fridge. Yeah. I see you in there. I'm not ready to get rid no, of you yet. I'm keeping you. Well, that's why you have to name yeah. them. So then it's less weird if you keep them. I've, I've actually downgraded my husband from Tupperware to Gladware or whatever you can buy at Walmart because I dislike that mold that grows in there because he will just leave that Tupperware somewhere and forget about it until months later. So that's what I've learned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you eventually do a, an equipment clean out in December. <laughs> and f find the summer's worth of uh, leftovers that's what, that's fun that's what got me to when i had kids is there's such a trope about you know finding the bottle or the juice the sippy cup that's like rolled under the couch and like maybe your husband has never left tupperware under the seat of the car or under the seat of the tractor but the bottle and the, the sippy cup could not compete with the lunch container that slid under the seat of the car and got forgotten for several months Anyway. Yeah, that is so many fun things growing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much, Andrea, for joining us on the podcast today. Can you remind us where people can find you online if they want to buy your book or chat with you on the interwebs? Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. I had so much fun. Um, if you're on Instagram, I am Farm Wife at Heart. And if you just want the link to go get the book, it is farmwifeatheart.com. That's quite straightforward. I like it. All right. Erlene, do you have anything else? No, that was it. I just want to say thank you very much for being yeah, here. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Andrea. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for joining us on Barnyard Language. If you enjoy the show, we encourage you to support us by becoming a patron. 
Go to www.patreon.com backslash barnyardlanguage to make a small monthly donation to help cover the costs of making this show. Please rate and review the podcast and follow the show so you never miss an episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as Barnyard Language, and on Twitter we are Barnyard Pod. If you want to connect with other farming families, you can join our private Barnyard Language Facebook group. We are always in search of guests for the podcast. If you or someone you know would like to chat with us, please get in touch. We are a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network.